Hello friends and welcome to Swimming and Singing, the podcast for Spoonies and the people who love them. I'm Sarah Nelson. I'm a yoga therapist in Portland, Oregon, who specializes in working with folks with chronic health conditions, finding ways to use the tools of yoga to create more ease and joy and less suffering. The name of my podcast comes from a beloved poem and is a reminder that some days it's all we can do to tread water and then other days there is more room for joy. This podcast aims to share practices for both types of days. Today I'll be talking to Angela Perger, an Ayurveda practitioner who started practicing Ayurveda after being diagnosed with a chronic health condition. Just a reminder, This podcast is for inspiration and information and does not replace medical care or advice. I am not a licensed healthcare professional or mental health therapist. Not all practices discussed on this podcast will be suitable or accessible to everybody, but I hope that you find something that resonates and can bring a bit more ease and joy into your life. Let's get to it. Angela Perger is a nature-loving mama of two beach babies, an Ayurveda practitioner and holistic health professor. She teaches Ayurveda and yoga because these ancient sciences continue to give her the tools to thrive despite diagnoses of ulcerative colitis and a rare autoimmune liver condition. Her purpose is to share how you can incorporate the wisdom of these teachings into your everyday life so that you can be your happiest, healthiest self. Angela also hosts the popular podcast, Simple Ayurveda. Hello, Angela. Welcome to Swimming and Singing. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um... I think let's just jump right in with Ayurveda. So a lot of people, many people have an idea of what yoga is. They've heard of yoga. They they see it at the gym um, and lots of places, but they might be less familiar with yoga's sister science, Ayurveda. And so I'm wondering if you can give us like a, a very general overview with the understanding that people study this for, for many years to become practitioners. Of course, I'd love to. Ayurveda is the world's oldest continued wellness system. So it goes back thousands of years in written text. And before that, it said that it was passed down orally. So it said that all of our other wellness systems are based on the science of Ayurveda. And really, Ayurveda connects us to nature. So nature is the teacher, which is so powerful because, yes, you could spend lifetimes studying Ayurveda and it's a nuanced science, but it's also really accessible for anyone because we just come back to nature as the teacher. And so the foundational things to really point out are um, that everything is based, I know I keep using the word nature, (laughs) but I just want to drill home like how simple it really can be. And circadian rhythm, circadian science is what the ancients talked about. And so living a day that's in rhythm with the sun, going to bed when it gets darker and waking up at a relatively um, same time every day and just creating that rhythm. And so the 
foundation of it for our purposes to understand are the five elements. And in Ayurveda, those are earth, water, fire, air or wind, and then ether, which is empty space. Um, so those elements are all around us. We can see. And the more that we recognize that and the things around us, just for example, planting your feet in grass, of course, is an obvious example of the earth element. Drinking enough water is an example of the water element. Feeling relaxed when you're by a body of water, like the ocean or a lake or a river, just these things that naturally feel good to us or connect us to ourselves. That's all a part of understanding the science of Ayurveda. So whatever's out there in the world, whether it's dirt and rocks or the sun being a source of fire is also within us. And when we make those connections, we're able to make choices that make us feel better because we understand ourselves. And then from there, the next step after having this foundation of the five elements is that they form together to make three vital energies called the doshas. So if you've heard of Ayurveda, you've probably heard of the doshas. And these are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is the combination of air or wind. Um, it's translated as either one because air is always sort of moving. It's not just sitting still and empty space. So vata dosha is energetically, it's creativity because it's ideas and movement. Um, it's our circulation system. It's our breath, our prana, um, all the ways that our the things in our body are moving. It's movement. Um, and so in the positive life-giving form, of course, it's our breath, it's creativity, it's flexibility, but then in excess, it's also the cause of anxiety because anxiety is thoughts moving in all these different directions and kind of going on and on, <laughs> which is the ethers. Like it's never ending. You can go, I think, I think of Vata Dosha in its negative form as when you have 50 tabs open on your computer and your eyes are just like all over the place. Like You're not grounded in yourself. You're not centered. You're not like focused on one thing. You're just all over the place. So, <laughs> um, but we want to have flexibility. We want to, we don't want to be like with blinders on obsessed with only one thing. So Vata Everything in Ayurveda has yeah. what we could say as positive or negative. So, or we could say it's neither. It's just qualities to n notice and recognize within ourselves and within the things around us, our environment. Uh, so that's Vata. Then we have Pitta, which is primarily the fire element with a little bit of water. Or in Ayurveda, water and oil are sort of it's liquid <laughs> so mm. there's different aspects so it's not just water what we think of water it's also things like within the body um, we have different sorts of fluid and enzymes and mm. things like that so it's just more encompassing like water is such a simplified way of saying it um, but this is so uh, pitta dosha we have fire we have transformation we have something changing into something else so it's really closely connected with digestion um, people that have a lot of pitta dosha within our bodies, um, can tend to be fiery in all the different aspects. So it might tend toward inflammation, might tend toward, um, acid reflux or things that create like burning sensations. This is all pitta. And then the positive aspects of pitta are, um, pitta gets things done, leadership. It's, it's fire and in, in the aspects that we like about it. <laughs> And then we have kapha dosha, which is mostly earth with some water. Uh, so in the body, this is the muscles. This is what's holding us together. It's the synovial 
fluid in our joints. It's the lubrication in our mouths, like saliva that helps us to break down. And, um, and so people that have a lot of kapha in their bodies are more stable and grounded. It's that earth element. They might be slower moving, which is lovely because it can be that calming type of person. That's a great listener. And, um, and then when there's too much kapha, it's can show up as sluggishness or being stubborn. So it's that earth element and excess. And so in Ayurveda, we all have all three of these doshas within us because we all have all five elements. And we were born with a certain ratio that never changes. That's just who we are. We use the word prakriti. But then the ways that it shows up throughout our life might change depending on the season. So if we have a a job that's requiring a lot of us, it might force us to go into pitta mode and like step up and get a lot done. Um, If we have too much on our plates, then it might send us higher into vata. Uh, which is, I think everyone listening is probably recognizing that within themselves a little bit because we just live in like such a multitasking kind of world. Um, Or, you know, like maybe during the pandemic, if you were like laying on the couch, (laughs) eating heavier foods, spending more time in front of screens than normal, you know, that could like drive up kapha a little bit. So we have all three within us. And you don't even necessarily have to totally understand your personal dosha to start using Ayurveda because you can start to just recognize like when you have a lot of a certain thing, opposites create balance. And so doing the opposite helps to bring more harmony in everyday life. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. One of the things um, in the last, during summer, I guess I've, I've brought into my life was whenever I think I'm too busy to do my yoga practice, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a sign I need to do my yoga practice. <laughs> so just trying yeah. to bring the opposite in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, um, there's some Zen monk teacher that says, if, if you don't have time to meditate 20 minutes a day, you need to meditate two hours a day or something like that. I forget the exact, but you know. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Angela, one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on to speak um, about Ayurveda, I know I know lots of people in the yoga world that um, practice Ayurveda, but you come to it um, through the lens of dealing with chronic health issues yourself. And so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your journey to Ayurveda um, and how and, and your own health journey. I would love that. Yeah. So I was born in the United States and grew up in the 80s and 90s eating um, (laughs) boxed food (laughs) and microwaved food and all of that. I had um, asthma as a child. I had so many antibiotics for ear infections that when I was seven, I became allergic to penicillin from basically overdosing on antibiotics. (laughs) Just put that piece together in recent years, actually. (laughs) Um, So basically... I was, I always had strep throat, tonsillitis, all of that stuff. My parents chain smoked in the house. Um, So then (laughs) when I was in college, when I was 21, I contracted mono and I was on the couch, like wiped out for a month. Um, And then my digestive, my digestive system started going haywire. And so over the course of six months and lots of different tests, I was finally diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. 
And I was also diagnosed with primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is an autoimmune liver disease. And my hair was falling out. I had alopecia too, <laughs> to oh. add to the funness. <laughs> um, so, you were in your 20s? Is this still? Yeah. Weird? I was 21. Yeah. When all this happened, I was a junior in college. <laughs> Um, I, um, so let's see, I, I, um, at the time I didn't know anything about holistic health. I remember I did ask my, um, gastro doctors, you know, can I eat a certain way? And basically they had me doing low residue at the time, just not to aggravate the symptoms, but they, you know, denied any sort of connection with food and colitis, which to me, even as a 21 year old college student that was drinking alcohol and eating McDonald's and all of that. I'm like, well, how can you have a digestive system problem? And there's absolutely no connection to food. This, like, I'm not in, I don't know anything about health, but I know that that doesn't make sense. Like one and one is not adding up to two. But um, so I guess that was like the beginning of my curiosity about holistic health. And because I did feel better at the time on the low residue diet. So obviously the food did have some kind of impact, even if it wasn't the long-term solution, but it proved to me that food does have an impact on how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, over the years, I tried lots of different healing protocols in conjunction with following directions from my Western doctors. Um, so I tried gaps. I tried the bone broth. I tried vegan. I tried kind of a raw-ish, I, you know, like all the things out there. <laughs> Um, and meanwhile, I started practicing yoga and eventually did a yoga teacher training just because I fell in love with it. So that's when I was introduced to Ayurveda was during the yoga teacher training. I thought it was interesting, but I was so confused (laughs) as I know anyone that's Googled Ayurveda leaves confused. (laughs) Um, I went and saw an Ayurveda person. So this was when I was about 28. So seven years into living with these conditions. And, um, she told me I had, I was all three doshas, um, as my, it's very rare for someone to have all three equal. And I've since learned that's not the case. So there's an art and a science to Ayurveda. You know, it's not, um, like brown hair is brown hair. (laughs) So, uh, and, um, oh, and also when I was 21, because of the liver condition, they said I could never have kids and I would need a liver transplant within 10 years. So um, I never dealt with any of the trauma of that until recently. <laughs> so anyone that's listening with chronic illness, if you have not gone to therapy yet or <laughs> done those things, I like cannot recommend it enough. That's how I can just sit here and even talk about this calmly and not be, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that emotional digestion piece is also part of Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was introduced to Ayurveda, but it wasn't until um, I had, I had my son, he's nine now afterwards, my, I started to get flares. So the, once things got under control for that first year, when I was 21, then even though I started playing with diet and things, I lived relatively without any issues of colitis. I didn't have any flares, but once I had a baby, then finally my colonoscopy showed up with inflammation. And so that's when I really started. I think that's when I really started trying the different diets. Sorry, I think before that I was kind of scooting by in my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> I was in my thirties. I started trying all the diets, um, and then I also got diagnosed with hypothyroidism during pregnancy. So it's like you know when you have one autoimmune condition, they just start piling on. Yeah. So by the time 
Meanwhile, I started teaching yoga and stuff. So when I had my daughter, I had one of my yoga students was um, an Ayurveda practitioner. So I got some consults from her. I started, and then finally, after the hypothyroidism again with my daughter, she was like, this is beyond me. We need you to go to my teacher. And I just realized like, I've been to all these holistic, I've been to digestive um, workshops. I've been to trainings. I went to yoga center with digestion. I, I also see like a top gastro doctor and um, see a, t- a hepatologist at a university hospital because of the rareness of the liver thing. And I just realized like, I don't think anyone else has the answer. Like I keep going to these other people and no one has the answer. So my intuition was like, just study Ayurveda for yourself mm-hmm. so that you understand the foundations, not through the lens of another person's viewpoint, but like for yourself. So that's why I ended up signing up for formal studies of Ayurveda. My daughter was a baby. I was breastfeeding her. My son was four. Um, And I did it for, to hopefully heal my digestion and maybe understand like, so we can't just keep piling on another autoimmune condition. (laughs) I was like, oh gosh, what's next, you know, after the hypothyroidism. And within three months of being fully committed, I just had so much more energy And I felt better. And that was a surprise. I wasn't even expecting that I would get more energy. But my digestion was also a lot smoother. And I'll say that now it's been six years and I still have colitis. (laughs) I still have a liver condition. Um, And during the pandemic, I had a pretty gnarly flare, (laughs) which my um, spiritual teacher who also teaches Ayurveda and stuff, she said, like, no one escaped the pandemic without something. (laughs) but the difference is now I have so many more tools and for the most part, I'm able to catch things before they spiral. Um, and just the, like my daily life of having these tools has, I can't say enough good things about it, about Ayurveda. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and I love too, that then you're passing that on to your kids, whether they will practice the same way as you do or not. But they're starting out on a, with a better foundation than those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> nice. Um, so we already kind of touched on, on the fact that many of the clients that I work with and people who might be listening were, have um, chronic health conditions and maybe have seen multiple practitioners, lots of different modalities, East and West. They're already on medications, many times restrictive diets, and adding one more thing to their plate may may seem overwhelming. And so I'm wondering um, if you can talk about maybe just one or two small things that someone could could start with who's who has some sort of chronic health condition and is looking for some of that symptom management. Yeah, I feel like just to have the understanding of why this thing might be helpful mm-hmm. is to circle back on the doshas. So having a daily rhythm to me is like I will never not have a daily rhythm for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's something that everyone can play with. And that's not to say there can't be wiggle room. Um, But when we go back to this idea that we're connected to nature and the doshas are these energies within us. So every illness is driven partly by vata dosha regardless. So when it comes to chronic illness, you know, if you have um, 
something that's inflammatory, redness, burning, like colitis, there's pitta Mm -hmm. involved. There's that fire element. And so just in everyday life, just kind of noticing um, ways to soothe. And then if kapha is involved, I just give an example of like a kapha type of illness might be, see, kapha is like less less likely to be involved because that earthiness doesn't get pushed (laughs) but just so there's some frame of reference here like when there's um or swelling or like extra water extra mucus and things like that that could be kapha so if that's chronic Mm -hmm. um, so basically that's where movement or sweating it out helps to release that but for every single chronic illness vata is always involved because Mm -hmm. uh Vata is that wind and uh, the wind pushes on the other two. So the wind will push on the fire or push on the earth. Um, And Vata from the Ayurvedic perspective is pacified when there's rhythm. So the more that we have rhythm in our life and the less that we have erratic energy kind of all over the place, (laughs) then the more stability we have and our system is able to sort of recover and rest and not be on edge. So from the Ayurvedic perspective, something that doesn't require going out and buying anything else, something that doesn't require um, more time adding things to your list that you have to do every day for self-care. Like when it comes to a daily rhythm, if you're not already doing this, having, which I wasn't when I learned, when I dove into Ayurveda and even the first couple of people I worked with didn't suggest this. And, but this was like one of the most life-changing thing was just having set sort of a set schedule every day, even though I do have little kids or work from home sometimes in errands, but this idea of uh, when you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at relatively the same time every day, your nervous system relaxes because it just knows the food's coming. Hmm. Also, um, in Ayurveda, your digestive, we talked about the doshas, but your digestive system is really also like key to health. Mm-hmm. And so when we take care of our digestive system, uh, when we eat at the same time relatively every day, our body knows food's coming. It's like when you're cooking, you know, the saliva glands start getting active. Mm-hmm. When the saliva glands are active, that helps break down the food easier. It just like sets the digestive system up to be able to break it down and access those nutrients. So without even changing what you're eating or anything else. (laughs) So for me, for example, I eat breakfast between seven and eight, lunch between 11 and one. So you can see I give myself a two hour window, but I normally eat close to noon every day, give or take, and then dinner between five and seven. And I really don't like veering out of those times because I just feel so much better when I do. So and going to bed at like a relatively same time every night. Um, just to, you know, like we can't say enough about sleep. And I know that you've probably talked a lot about sleep. <laughs> I just, did you say go to bed at a relatively same with an M or sane with an N time? <laughs> we could go with both. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. That's, it's funny because like I prioritizing sleep is something that, this is what I love about Ayurveda. It really is common sense. Yeah. Like, yes, you could go into all the nuances and there's some, you know, deep stuff there. But at the baseline, (laughs) chew your food well, go to sleep when you need to go to sleep. 
And, but yeah. these are the things we don't do. That's like why we have to have a conversation about it because we're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we live in a society that like doesn't want us to. to yeah. I'm like the weirdo. I'm the one that's leaving the get together earlier. You know, I mean, and this isn't even, I'm just throwing a bonus tip. Like when you're living with chronic illness, like I do not do more than one or two things a day. Like if it's, if there's a kid's birthday party or something, you know, like I can't, <laughs> I don't yeah. like to overschedule. That's the part. The simple and simple Ayurveda is the minimalism part of not running yourself ragged. And that has partly to do with Vata Dosha too. It's like that energy being all over the place. How can your body rest and repair and heal if your energy is all over the place? So just yeah. all the ways that you can ground down and create rhythm and stability for yourself. And there's endless ways, but I think that these are the big ones of getting enough sleep and having a relatively rhythmic day because they're such anchors and there's something we do over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, like you said, they're free. <laughs> and you already have to do it. Like you already have to eat. <laughs> I tell my clients that just if, if your meals are kind of all over the place right now, um, which I know a lot of people, they are because once you're home with pandemic or if you've been working from home or there's not like you're, it's not like you're a school teacher where your lunch is at the set time every day. I used to be a teacher, so I know it's like, you know, you have that routine. Um, so you have to do that for yourself. You have to put it on your calendar. But I think lunch is a really nice place to start, like eating close to noon, because then you don't have the excuse if I'm not hungry in the morning or I'm busy at night. It's like just create that anchor in the middle of the day. And sometimes that just sort of pulls everything else more in alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Angela. Um, so lastly, just wanting to share with people how to find you. I will include it in the show notes. And if you wanted to talk a little bit about your free three-day Ayurveda challenge that people can sign up for via your website. Yeah, thank you. Um, I talk all about Ayurveda on this simple Ayurveda podcast, the good, the bad, the embarrassing, <laughs> um, about chronic illness and all of that. And um, so I'm at simpleayurveda.com. I hang out a little bit on Instagram at simple underscore Ayurveda. And the three-day challenge is a really fun, easy, simple way to start learning a little bit about Ayurveda foundations for yourself. So it's just one word a day for three days, a little short email explanation of the word and how you can start to look for these things in everyday life. Um, yeah. And I just try to keep everything like really simple and manageable. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And nothing to do with the challenge other than like, you know, read it and contemplate. I feel like I was expecting like, okay, day one, go to bed at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I try to think of like another word for challenge because it's not really a challenge, but I, I'm like three day self inquiry just doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. Um, like I said, all this info will be in the show notes, where to find Angela. And um, yeah, I'm just so grateful for, for you sharing your time with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Swimming and Singing. If you're interested in joining my online therapeutic yoga membership, head to my website at at bit.ly slash yoga therapy for spoonies 
and join the waitlist. The membership will be reopening later this fall. On my website, you will also find a link to a free yoga in bed three-part course, great for anyone who is too tired, too busy, or thinks they don't have enough room to practice yoga. Links and contact information for me and my guests can be found in the show notes and on my website. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast. If you have thoughts or comments you'd like to share with me, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep swimming and keep singing.